Yesterday we had the opportunity to hear about the Buddha's conversation with a deva. These devas were very lucky that they used to come and ask him questions. So how do we stay in the middle when the mind is flooded? We develop certain qualities to strengthen us. You're probably all familiar with the four right efforts, and you know about sila samadhi panya. If you don't know, please ask. Asking questions is good. But it's good to review some of the qualities of mind that help us to bring forth these right efforts and help us to restrain the unruly mind from its habits of wandering and thinking and believing in a self and trying too hard and trying to be somebody, trying to get a degree in meditation, all these things which just make us only sink or get swept away. But if we stay in the middle, we need certain qualities. There are ten I want to list here. I don't have enlargements of these beautiful drawings that a friend did to represent these qualities. And these descriptions are taken from some ancient Burmese commentaries, the Chronicles of the Buddhas. You think there was only one Buddha. Well, there's a lineage of Buddhas. In the Theravada tradition, we speak of 28 Buddhas. But when I was training in Taiwan for my bhikkhuni ordination, the chants were all about the 88 Buddhas. 88. So I guess there's maybe an infinite number. How many are there in Zen? Infinite. Infinite, there you go. One of the basic qualities is generosity. I think I mentioned that a little bit. Dana, it's called in Pali, giving. Just imagine the quality of generosity. Just as a water pot turned upside down lets all the liquid run out and takes none of it back. So perfect generosity consists of not having the slightest thought of remorse over what has been given away, even if one sacrifices absolutely everything. Now, perfect generosity, of course, there's no one to keep anything. It comes from the perfection of knowledge. Um, This is an awakened kind of generosity, the summa bonum of generosity. So the pot is pouring water, and the hands receiving the water. The hands receive the water, and it just runs right through. So if we receive everything that comes to us as if we're empty, then it just passes right through. We're transparent. That's a way of embodying generosity. Everything that the mind 
sees, knows, hears, smells, tastes, touches, thinks, or cognizes, just passing through, passing through as if through gauze. We make ourselves empty into gauze, but we're not empty because we're usually quite flooded, either with desire, aversion, different kinds of passions, fear, anger, craving, manifest in its many forms, opinions, judgments, about everything inside, everything outside, even of what is passing through. Passing through the train, it's passing through. It's not going to stay. So our generosity is to recognize that, to let the truth speak through us, to be empty. And the, the way we embody that and manifest it little by little is by learning that we are empty because we don't know that except intuitively. And to know intuitively, we have to be silent, be quiet, and let the truth speak to us. Purify the mind so we can hear the truth in its truest way, not with opinion, not through the assimilation of cultural norms and social truths, because they don't inform us of this kind of way of being. And we practice generosity in small steps, little by little, learning the joy of giving, learning the way giving purifies us as we let go, as we see the joy that we bring through giving. Giving safety, giving kindness, giving compassion, giving joy, rejoicing, blessing others. Giving equanimity, to be equanimous. When people are arguing, instead of supporting one or the other, maybe just being silent and letting things work out as they do, but supporting by listening, by giving voice and considering carefully, reflecting wisely. And we learn this through our practice. The second quality is sila. Sila means morality, virtue, purity of speech, conduct. It's also purity of mind. Just as a yak whose bushy tail is caught somewhere doesn't tear it off violently, but tries to loosen it carefully, even if that does not help, it would rather die than tear it off. So perfect morality consists in being always careful about our relationships with the world and in going without rather than getting one's rights violently. This is a very perfected sila. It is the consummation of nonviolence. 
the consummation of nonviolence points us, directs us to notice if there are any thoughts in our minds which have either the taint of ill will, the taint of unfriendliness towards ourselves or towards any other being. That's a very tall order. But to really to realize this path to its highest, that's our mandate. That's what we train to do. Here, living together for this week, we're not harming anyone. It doesn't seem like we're harming anyone. But if we started talking, then some trouble could quickly arise if people were just talking all the time, interacting. Or we could notice how if any violence arises in the mind towards ourselves, or towards anyone else, in the mind there can be no will. She took the last dessert, became annoyed because you didn't get any, or something so trivial. We remember this exhortation. Even if your tail gets stuck, if the axe tail is getting stuck, yes, some people would save someone from drowning, even if they die. That person mustn't die. That's more than just not killing. That's saving life. And that's a, a real consummation of precept. Saving life. So to save others from harm, we have to make ourselves harmless. Harmless. And of training in the meditation practice, you come here to die. Really? Yeah? Well, yeah, to die to anger. Coming here to kill our anger. And even that, not violently, because you cannot kill anger in the right way if you try to fight it. As the Buddha said, crossing the flood, not straining, not angrily, but just knowing this is anger, knowing it, dissecting it, dismantling it, and seeing that it's empty, it's unwholesome, it's a poison, it isn't something solid that we should pick up. You wouldn't pick up a burning piece of wood because you could burn your hand. So anger is something that burns and destroys. It destroys goodness. So if we use it, that's like a weapon. And we use it through our speech, even our thoughts, let alone our actions. So morality has many levels. And we start where we are, with gentleness, with mindfulness, with care, with metta, non-ill will, with growing metta into compassion for ourselves and each other. So another quality is nekama. Nekama means renunciation. Just as one imprisoned in jail does not desire anything more intensely 
get out of there. So perfect renunciation is the longing to get out of the prison of impermanence. So we don't know that we're in prison, standing in jail and longing to get out. And we're longing for happiness. And we long to get out, out into that place where we will feel happy, out of this inner prison that we feel that we're in, day by day, even if we don't acknowledge it, because we are trying to make permanent that which is impermanent. So when we have joy, we want it to stay. We always want it to be there. Don't go, don't stop. Don't stop. But then it sinks, like we sink in the flood. If we stand still, we want to keep the joy, make it permanent. No. The joy is impermanent. And it will arise and cease. Even in meditation, the joy is impermanent. There's something beyond that joy. There is one nibbana, the only possibility for permanent happiness is the realization of nibbana, waking up to the truth of this whole charade, what it is and what it isn't. And we try to make that which seems permanent, impermanent. We want the difficult things to go away, and they feel so thick and so impenetrable, our different pains, our challenges in life. When something horrible happens um, and we grieve over the loss of someone, it feels very heavy, like this will never leave. How can I get out of this? And so we are in a prison of impermanence until we can break through, not like getting out of jail, like you walk out of a door, a door and you're, you're free in the outdoors, but getting out of this prison of our ignorance because of not recognizing the impermanence of all conditioned things, including the body. And another quality that we need is panya, wisdom. And there's a picture of the little nun standing with her bowl. Just as a monk or nun on alms round neglects no house, but goes without exception to all families, so perfect wisdom consists in leaving no gaps, leaving nothing out, and being prepared to learn from all those who are wise and more advanced, however young they may be. Everything is there to teach us. So this is the perfection of wisdom, is to know that we can learn from every situation, and that includes pain. So if we're struggling and resisting the painful moments, then we're not allowing pain to be our teacher. What if karmically life gives us a lot of pain, a lot of difficulty, a lot of sickness, a lot of loss, a lot of disappointment? 
But rather than being overwhelmed and identifying with pain, an unlucky person, oh, what is happening to me? Or with those challenges, feeling cheated somehow by life, feeling it's unfair, and all those kind of very negative states that overwhelm us, we can stop and see, huh, this is a teaching. What is the teaching here? And in stopping like that, we're able to grow wise about what we learn from seeing the impermanence of all of that as well. So not clinging to anything, not wanting anything to go away or to stay, but just taking the middle path through it. The middle is where we have the chance to know. And meditation in itself, aside from being like a medicine, it's medicinal, it's a healing. It gives us the possibility to see holistically, to awaken, because we become whole. We practice integrity. We know that we are not the owners of anything. We are empty. And so wisdom grows through developing these qualities. We need a certain special energy to do this work. And so the fifth quality, there's a picture of a lion sitting very regal and still. Just as a lion marshals his strength evenly in all four postures, Perfect energy consists in maintaining the battle against one's own drives in every situation and of proving oneself stronger than those drives. Stronger than our craving. Stronger than all the unwholesomeness pouring forth. There's ignorance coming out, leaking out. We take this right effort This is an effort that is consummated through these qualities of generosity, of virtue, of renunciation, of wisdom. Each one builds upon the other. So we don't give up. We try to give up in terms of renunciation, but we don't give up the resolve, the the energy to practice, to keep going, to keep seeing to open the heart more and more gently, wisely, consistently, continuously. Walking through life, considering all things, reflecting on all things with that pervasive wisdom, very broad-based wisdom that comes from a heart that is loving, that can embrace what life is bringing, as teachings, as gifts, and then use the energy of mindfulness, of the samadhi, of strengthening our mental stability, steadfastness, and singleness of mind, perfecting it so that we can listen to the silence and let the Dhamma speak to us and inform our chitta, consciousness. Then we can 
hold ourselves through the tempests and tides of life skillfully. So those are some beautiful qualities to consider in practice.